You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, breaking news as it happens, what it means, and why it matters. Uh, Kevin McCullough, and here we go. Obliterating confusion. Amplifying truth. And pursuing clarity. Kevin McCullough, now. Coming up. We've got a lot to get to. What's the latest with the Hunter Biden trial and what happened yesterday? Uh, Hogan Gidley is here to discuss. We will talk about a very surprise announcement at the U.N. We will talk about AM radio and cars and why they matter. And we'll also delve into parenting today. It's a big day. Something interesting is happening with this. Kevin McCullough, let me start with you. I found this thing at townhall.com by Kevin McCullough. The big dog has come out of nowhere. Kevin McCullough. I just want to help people think. Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. He is playing the role as uh, as well as anybody could. Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. The odds are he's right. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is someone that I have actually uh, had contact with going all the way back to when Governor Mike Huckabee was running for president, and I think on his first tour of duty, where he really probably should have been the uh, the nominee, but it was the year for John McCain because it was his turn. And so everybody had to bow yeah. and capitulate <laughs> and do that. But anyway, uh, Hogan Gidley was in the uh, communications offices uh, for the governor at the time. He uh, has since served in the Trump White House with uh, Sarah Sanders and others in that uh, press operation there. And now he's with the American First Policy Institute doing great work in the area of strategic communications and also election integrity. Hogan Gidley, good to see you. Kevin, thanks so much for having me on. And by the way, that race you're talking about with Huckabee in 08 for president, I was the executive director of the South Carolina Republican Party at the time. But for snow in Greenville, South Carolina, Huckabee would have won that uh, primary and gone on to be I think the it's president. even more sinister. You and I are going to have a fight but, over this, Hogan. It's more sinister no, than that. John McCain tapped Fred Thompson to oh, come Oh, yeah. In oh, no. That was, and, oh, uh, that was my. Oh, no. That if deal Fred was Thompson well, wasn't in that oh, race. Yeah. Mike Huckabee wins wins the uh, the nomination running away because in the first four states he had the momentum and he had it through Super Tuesday. A Super Tuesday was Mike Huckabee's day, not John McCain's. That's right. So anyway, and I know that because I had McCain and Huckabee and Romney on my show a lot, but but Governor was the one who was most willing to come on and always talking about what he wanted to do to make the country better, as opposed to the other two clowns that we still. So anyway, having yeah, said that, it's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Um, you, you worked in the press office. Uh, you saw you had contact with the president. You you understood what he stood for and what he was about. And when you went out and had to pinch hit on some of those uh, media days uh, in the press room, uh, you were always prepared and you always had your notes in order. And you you you, you knew what you were. It was a competent operation, I would say. Um in recent weeks, John Kirby and Corinne Jean-Pierre have been inundated with questions that they're kind of gaslighting the American people on. Uh, they'll get asked, did the president speak with Hunter about his business dealings? And Corinne will say the president was never in business with his son right. on this kind of stuff. Hogan, how much of this is playing uh, well to the American people? And are they seeing through those semantic games? Uh, I don't know if they're seeing through them yet. Obviously, this is a lot of inside baseball. What I can tell you, though, is the interesting dynamic here is that when we were in the White House, obviously, that room filled with journalists, I'm going to use air quotes here, they were literally against us at every turn. They were inquisitive. They were curious. They had um, you know, questions that, that often were unfair on topics that weren't true, but they still came after us pretty hard. But for a couple of folks in the room, a Fox, a Newsmax, those types. Now it's the exact opposite. And so while Corinne Jean-Pierre sits behind that podium as the press secretary, what they have in that room are a ton of deputy press secretaries. They go out there and parrot the administration's line, whether it's true or not, as if it is fact to the American people. Correct. And so that bias that occurs, what you decide to cover and how you decide to cover it are very important to this administration because their record has been abysmal. And so while we were up there talking about successes that improve the lives of all Americans, regardless of race, religion, color or creed, you have an administration now that looks and pretends as though all of these problems are happening to them. But it's happening because of them, because of their bad policies. That's what's hurting this country. And so they really got nothing to tout up there 
not to mention the fact when you see these investigations beginning to mount from the Republican Congress and the information coming out, the facts, the evidence, they're in a real political problem here. And I would argue, quite frankly, it could be a legal problem for the Biden family writ large as this thing progresses. Well, it's interesting because even Hunter's plea deal on the first day in court went sideways badly right. uh, as the Department of Justice that is kind of wholly owned and operated by the executive branch um, couldn't even get its act together uh, with um, w- what it wanted to do. And so the prosecutor seemed ill-prepared. He went ahead and pled guilty to a couple of the tax um, uh, pleas, but this is far from over. And the judge said in the proceedings that um, there's very good possibilities going to be brought up on more charges. Hogan, when it comes to the law abiding nature of the first family, if Donald Trump Jr. was in the seat that Hunter Biden was in yesterday, what would that have looked like? Yeah, listen, Hunter Biden has a big problem of leaving things around this country that are problematic, right? <laughs> Laptops, um, uh, like, like, a, <laughs> like, like a laptop, like a car filled. His sister uh, left drugs. a diary in Florida that like, was pretty scathing, too. Like, I mean, like a, a gun, uh, yeah, like yes. a child, like, like a child in Arkansas. He doesn't want yeah, to well, uh, there you talk go. about either. So he's got a litany of problems here as it relates to his past. I, I would argue, though, um, this this investigation, if done properly, and I've said this for a long time, if you do it right and you pull on that Hunter Biden thread, it turns into a Joe Biden investigation pretty quickly. And when you start to see the mounting evidence and you see 21 shell companies, 150 plus uh, bank reports that are suspicious that have come out from from their banks, 17 million dollars into the Biden family's coffers, a WhatsApp message. Um, saying, Daddy's sitting beside me. You better give me my money. Text messages from the Hunter Biden laptop where Hunter is texting his daughter saying, hey, I've had to provide for this family and give my money to dad. He's forced me to do it for years. This evidence is beginning to mount. And if you notice, the left isn't going after any of the evidence. They're not going after the whistleblowers. They're not who've had decades of service in the IRS. They're not going after Tony Bobolinsky, who came out in 2020 and said he did business with Hunter and Joe was part of it. They're not going after Devin Archer, who's going to testify next week, apparently, that he also is in business with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden was part of it. They're not going after any of that. What they're saying is, ah, it's Republicans. They're not focused on the issues that the American people care about, et cetera. But to your bigger point, obviously, let's not forget the irony here that Donald Trump was impeached. They weaponized the government against him again for a phone call asking the Ukrainian president, hey, you might want to check into this uh, potential problem, uh, these bribery schemes, the corruption with the Biden family and your government. Now we find out with this evidence, he was right again. There's more evidence. There are more issues that have proven corruption with this family at this point. And so this is a very big problem for them in a reelection, but it's a bigger problem kind of for the systemic, systematic uh, you know, family that has used the government, used their name, broken several laws in the process to line their pockets, to gain wealth, to gain riches uh, across this globe. And I think it's going to be uh, for the American people eye opening because you lose elections when you shock people. Everyone knew Clinton was a dirtbag, so it didn't matter to anybody. George H.W. Bush, read my lips, no new taxes, and then he raised taxes. Joe Biden was just old Uncle Joe. He was just the nice family man who is sitting around waiting to save the country. And he's just a calm, affable guy. You're seeing all these stories come out where the press knows he's a jerk. He knows he's mean to people. He knows he breaks staff. And now you find out he could potentially be an international criminal. That's going to shock a lot of the American public. Well, I only hope that the media does its job in telling the story, because if they don't, um, it doesn't seem to matter much. Hogan Gidley, uh, working on the election integrity issue and strategic uh, communications for the America First Policy Institute. We appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Kevin. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back from Times Square. Don't go away. This is Carol Platt-Lebow for townhall.com. COVID's over, so the people at the New York Times need another reason to be afraid and for you to be afraid too. So last week, they ran an article telling their readers, quote, 
how to determine whether it's safe to leave the house, unquote. That's because of the supposed dangers posed by heat waves, flash flooding, and smoke across the country. What nonsense. If writers at the New York Times were journalists instead of activists, they'd add some context. Although heat-related deaths are rising, far more people die from cold than from heat. But the agenda is to advance the climate change narrative, even though a recent U.N. report found the world's temperature hasn't risen for the last 15 years. The goal is to frighten us into accepting intrusive nanny state regulations they claim, without evidence, will improve global warming. But Americans don't frighten easily. It's not news that summer is hot. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Time for Revival with Pastor Vivian McCallman is now airing every Tuesday night from 9 to 10. Growing from 30 minutes to one whole hour every Tuesday night, you won't want to miss it. Join as Pastor Vivian McCallman brings you the light, love, and guidance you need in a time where most things are uncertain. Time for Revival with the one and only Pastor Vivian McCallman. Now from 9 to 10 every Tuesday night on AM 570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. The new Salem News Channel, the greatest collection of conservative minds, all in one place. Home to the people you trust. Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Refreshingly honest, always unfiltered. Streaming free on your TV 24-7. Intelligent analysis for intelligent people. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. Listen to the Mission WMCA anywhere you go with the AM570 The Mission mobile app. Download on Google Play, iTunes, or listen to TuneIn, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. All right, every week I promise you, friends, you're going to get a real-life question answered from the real-life Mike Connors, and he has joined us. Uh, Mike, this week Brenda writes... My husband and I have an irrevocable trust. Can we change our trustees if our relationship with the trustees has changed? Mike Connors. Yes, ordinarily the answer is yes. If you do an irrevocable trust today, and people misunderstand this, an irrevocable trust is irrevocable only to certain events. But ordinarily you have the power to change the trustees. Now, if you made a gift in trust, let's say for your grandchildren, and you made an irrevocable gift to those grandchildren, you may not be able to change the trustees. But if we're talking about the trust that we ordinarily do to protect your family home, yes, you can change the trustees. And is it a complicated process? Basically, it's just a notarized statement or whatever. Now, if the kids are on the deed, you may want to change the deed if the kids are the trustees. Mm -hmm. So that can get a little complicated. We have some tax filings, but it's not overly complicated. It's something you can done in a couple of days. Well, friends, there's no one that I would recommend if you had that situation uh, doing it more than uh, Connors and Sullivan. They are the kings of this stuff. And that's why you need to call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, and make sure that uh, you get your appointment and get your questions answered. And if you have more questions for Mike Connors, he's going to answer them uh, both here on the radio with uh, Kevin McCullough, but also on his own show. You can send those questions to askmikeconnors at gmail.com, askmikeconnors at gmail.com, and then be listening as he answers the questions. Eight o'clock Saturday mornings on AM 570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA, and Sunday mornings starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. Chosen People Ministries is excited to announce a special concert in New York City with renowned Messianic Jewish musician Joshua Aaron, who will perform at the New York Society of Ethical Culture on Sunday, July 30th. Joshua Aaron is an award-winning American-Israeli independent singer and songwriter who resides near the Sea of Galilee with his wife and five children. He's founder of Gather the Nations and hosts an annual Worship in Israel tour, bringing believers on an unforgettable journey to the Holy Land. His music, sung in English and Hebrew, blends a wide array of sounds, including traditional Jewish genres reaching millions of listeners of all nations and languages. Experience a joyful night of Messianic worship sung in English and Hebrew, and be sure to bring a friend. For tickets and more details, go to ChosenPeople.com. That's ChosenPeople.com. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors & Sullivan Broadcast Studio. 
When you're high, you feel different. But if you feel different, you drive different. So don't drive high. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, my next guest is no stranger to my radio audience, but he has not always appeared with me uh, on the video or television side of things. But I'm very excited to welcome back uh, my next guest because he has a bit of good news for an organization that I care very, very much about. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Joel Veldkamp. Hello, Joel. Great to be here, Kevin. Um, What happened this week? This week, uh, the organization I work for, Christian Solidarity International, got back its UN consultative status as an NGO after 24 years. Um, so 24 years ago, we had consultative status at the United Nations, which meant we could go to meetings, we could uh, deliver remarks at sessions of the Human Rights Council. And um, in 1999, the government of Sudan decided that they had had enough of us and they rallied all their allies in the committee and stripped us of our status. Well, and so let's go back to what was going on in 1999. So yeah. CSI, that was the war completed at that point, or were, was the was the civil war still ongoing? The war was in full swing in 1999. That might have been the peak of it, actually. And Dr. Um, John Eibner and CSI were trying to rally the governments around the world to intervene and to basically draw up a peace plan that would let everybody go home and have kind of their own... Uh, territory, which ended up happening. Um, mm-hmm. But Sudan didn't like the fact that uh, CSI was was spearheading these interventions? Not at all. Not at all. At the time, the government of Sudan still thought that they could win the war by destroying the Christian population of South Sudan, basically. And one of the main ways that they were trying to destroy that population was through slavery. So I know, as your listeners know very well, Kevin, tens of thousands of African Christians were enslaved by the Sudanese government and its allies during these years and taken to the north as, right. as slaves, as war booty, essentially. And what CSI was doing and what we still do today is we use an underground network of traders to get people out of slavery. Yeah. Um, and in the 90s, this was shocking news, this was international news, and it was very embarrassing uh, for the government of Sudan. Um, and I guess their breaking point came when we asked the leader of the South Sudanese people to come to the UN with us to speak to the world on our behalf. And after that, um, Sudan and its allies rallied together and got CSI expelled uh, from having consultative status at the UN. Yeah. So let's talk about that term for a second. Consultative status. You said it allowed you to make presentations and to be part of meetings and so forth. What's what's the most significant reason why you're glad to have it back? Well, for us, it's a platform to speak for on behalf of the persecuted, right? And that's why we weren't actually that sad when we lost it in 1999, because we had used it for what it was for, as far as we were concerned. We had used that platform to give a voice to the persecuted people of South Sudan, and um, it got a lot of attention, and it got maybe even more attention when we were kicked out. Uh, So that was a success in our books. Um, was there any back. opposition to to uh, bringing you back into consultative status within the UN? Absolutely, yes. So we, we applied, we reapplied to get the status 11 years ago. Wow. And in 11 years, the NGO committee at the UN never allowed a vote on our application. But every time they met, they would send us another question about our application and some of these questions. So they would ask one question a year of your, of your application. Let's say three questions a year because they would meet about three times. Couldn't that have been taken care of in like a phone call? Yes. But of course that wasn't the point. (laughs) The point was to make sure that we never actually got a vote on our application and we just got stuck in this bureaucratic process forever. Um, So what finally happened just yesterday, actually, is that some friendly countries picked our application out of the pile and said, we're not going to break this cycle and we're going to force the whole Economic and Social Council of the UN to vote on this. And they did. And we won 24 to 12 with 11 abstentions. So it was fairly close in my understanding. But Well, yeah. I mean, if it's uh, 24 to 12. Oh, or was that, does that mean that there were 35 potential 
yes votes, but 11 abstain so you only won by 12 votes uh, well you still got two to one i mean that's a pretty good that's a that's a fair representation of i think what you guys are uh represent to the global community because as my listeners are very intimately familiar with because we do talk about csi and we are advocating for slave liberation and now that sound of freedom and other things in the culture are drawing attention to human trafficking and human slavery again i hope that we 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 get many many more slaves freed than what our goal is but um friends if you're listening to this and saying yeah, there's no reason why CSI shouldn't be part of the UN. You just got to remember a lot of the bad countries have lots of representation at the UN. The UN oftentimes comes off as doing more of the work for the bad countries than it does for the good countries. It just in very general, broad parlance, that's what I would argue uh, sometimes the UN's ultimate outcome has been. It is nice to see that CSI has been reinstated. Um, Joel, when let me, let me hone in on Sudan just for a second. I know that at the peak, there were about 185,000 enslaved Christians um, in the North. And I know that CSI, well before I started working with you, but I know that in the years we've worked together uh, and before, all combined, I think about 135, 140,000, something like that have been liberated. And of course, there have been some children born to women who were raped and enslaved. So there's, there's, you know, a questionable number that still are multiplying or replicating. But in general, is the thought generally accepted that we are beneath the 50,000 slaves left in Sudan now? And that if we just had people that came alongside and really uh, rolled up their sleeves and said they wanted to see this done. We could get this done in a in a short short amount of time. You know, I hesitate to put a number on this. Um, one hundred eighty five thousand to begin with is a good estimate, but we really don't know how many it was. We just know it was a a lot, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, as you said, a lot of people have died in the meantime. A lot of people have been born into slavery. Um. I do think we're getting close. And I think And what's really disturbing goal. is that when all the world community global leaders came together, they were fine unsettling the war. They didn't want to touch the slaveries, uh, slavery Absolutely. issue. They didn't want to liberate the slaves. And I know mm -hmm. that the US was part of this and I know that Dr. Eibner was very very key in pulling all this together, but it wouldn't have taken that much more effort by the global community to say, "Okay, Sudan, as part of this settlement, you have to let the slaves go free." Absolutely, I agree. But we, we see very often in global politics today in Ukraine, today in many other places, that the, the weakest people just don't count for very much yeah. when the big powers get together and try to settle their interests. Well, friends, it's one of the reasons why I am so passionate about CSI. It's one of the reasons why I'm going to continue to advocate from this microphone for the liberation of slaves, uh, because we we can't stop until every one of them are out. And that's what the slaves say when they get liberated. They come to the CSI staff and they say, thank you. Thank you to the Christians who gave and got us out. Now, don't stop until they're all released. Joel Veldkamp, uh, International Communications Director for CSI. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Kevin. God bless you. Kevin McCullough coming right back from New York. Stay here. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800 353-2973 now. 
Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-353-2973. That's 800-353-2973. What do you have to lose? Call 800-353-2973. Again, 800-353-2973. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Very soon, you're going to start hearing me talk about 10 places in Asia. Uh, Where specifically? China, Bangladesh, India, Indonesia, Malaysia, Nepal, Pakistan, Philippines, Sri Lanka, Thailand, and Vietnam. Why those places in particular? Because 9 out of 10 new Christians in each of those countries are lacking something vital to their faith. What could it be? They don't have access to the Word of God. There are no Bibles. They are Bible-less. And that's why our friends at the Bible League are hearing their cries, and we're going to supply this year, hopefully with your help, 4,000 Bibles in Asia because of your generosity. You know what else that means? Over their 80 years, uh, Bible League can attest that approximately 12 people come to faith in Jesus because of every Bible that goes out. That means that we're going to see 48,000 people come to faith in Christ because of these Bibles. 1-800-YES-WORD. Jump in if you want to join us. Most people fall prey to Satan's tricks, schemes, and deceptions, which hinders their walk with God. Pastor Ray Hagestilianos, Bible study host on More Than Conquerors weekday afternoons at 2, has written a book called Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise to understand the dangers and live in victory, to overcome every attack of the enemy and live a more blessed life. And you can get your own copy of his book now at PastorRayNY.com. Everyone needs encouragement by understanding God's promises. Discouragement, doubt, and compromise helps you recognize the danger signs and stand strong with practical solutions and how to take God's promises to heart and live life as more than a conqueror. Get your copy today at PastorRayNY.com. Discouragement, doubt, and compromise from Pastor Ray Hagestilianos at PastorRayNY.com. WMCA welcomes the new program, Summit Life. These lips of mine are bold enough to cry for help. These hands of mine, weak and empty, are ready enough to be filled. This heart of mine, deceived and deceiving, is still desperate enough to yearn for paradise. Listen to Pastor J.D. Greer weekday mornings at 5.30. Only one God is God enough to give us that green and garden paradise. I am not, he already knows, and he says to me, I am. Summit Life with Pastor J.D. Greer on WMCA. The WMCA July Ministry of the Month is Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. The day of the Lord will be against everything high and lifted up. Listen Monday through Friday morning at 6, Sunday afternoon at 1245. For us to take the low and broken place, it's the low place that we get our best view of God, by the way, and His salvation. Through the Bible, the July Ministry of the Month on WMCA. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors and Sullivan Broadcast Studio. Obliterating confusion, amplifying truth, and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, glad to have my next guest who is uh, tracking something that may sound a little bit weird. Uh, why would uh, you care about something like an AM radio in the year of 2023? But Nick Anderson of Salem's Government Affairs Division very much cares about it, and he joins us now. Nick, welcome. Kevin, good afternoon. Thank you for having me on. It's good to have you. Um, let's talk about AM radios and why they're why they're in danger of becoming extinct and what we can do to uh, prevent that from happening. Well, as I've shared with uh, with with many of your colleagues, um, AM radio is under attack. We have a battle in front of us. You know, it's amazing. Over 80 million listeners listen to AM radio every month. That's one out of every three American radio listeners listen to AM radio every month. And yet, believe it or not, there are auto manufacturers who have decided not to put the AM receiver in the vehicle. Uh, in fact, right now there's eight manufacturers who have said we're not we're no longer going to put the am receiver in the vehicle for for numerous reasons 
at first it was uh, based on uh, electric vehicles and how would it affect the, the EVs and the electric vehicles and, and the engines and, and stuff that's associated with that. Um, but uh, it, it's been amazing. It's, it, what's, been, what's been neat is how unified our industry is because we all are aware that you, you can't get rid of AM. A AM is so powerful. And when you have 80 million listeners that you're supporting, um, you need to make sure it's, it's, it's in the vehicle. They want to, to control. cut to the chase. Are you implying that they want to control the type of content that AM radio listeners are getting? I don't want to go that far, but I will say that I think that they want to control what the consumer has access to beyond just AM. They're going to control, you know, as more and more dash infotainment systems change. Uh, I think you're going to see um, a lot more things that are going to be on a subscription model. Um, I'm not one in the camp that says that auto, auto manufacturers are going after AM radio because of conservative talk. You get rid of AM radio, you get rid of progressive talk, you get rid of sports talk, you get rid of agriculture. You start affecting other demographics and other platforms. I'm not saying that. It definitely wouldn't hurt or wouldn't help. It would impact both of our stations in New York, both our Christian teaching station and our news talk. And it both, would. both audiences are very, very um dependent upon their stations to get the information that they're looking for absolutely absolutely and it's all those different communities that that rely on am radio one other aspect that i that i need to bring up and that is am is the backbone to the eas correct and the emergency alert system and so go go beyond political talk go beyond sports talk having an am uh, an am receiver in the vehicle is as important as a seatbelt or an airbag or an anti-lock brake just because, because of the AM signal and because it can go around and over things, you can get the AM receiver wherever and everywhere of the, 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 the signal. So when you have severe weather, when you have blizzards, when you have, I was just on um, in Denver yesterday and we talked about the boulder fire that hit the neighborhood and our stations, our Salem stations in Denver at that time we're on the air providing news and information to uh, listeners who needed to hear it at that time. That's the importance of AM radio. Yeah. Nick Anderson is head of the Minneapolis uh, cluster of Salem stations, but he also splits time with the Government Affairs Division of Salem Communications. And Nick, is there an action point that my listeners can take away today? You know, there is. Um, so just this morning, the Senate Commerce Committee passed the bill um, out of committee and so now it goes we, we we have a a bill i should probably say that first kevin it's called the am radio for every vehicle act identical language in the house and in the senate the senate version was just passed out of committee this morning and we'll go to the senate floor and so we'll hope that uh, leader schumer decides to bring it to a full senate vote but uh we're, we're asking listeners and we're asking viewers that support am radio uh you you can do one of two things you can go to the station's website and you can click on the depend on AM banner ad and you can type your information in and you can send information to your member of Congress. Or you can text the letters AM to 52886. The same situational uh, you'll be provided. You'll you'll get a, a, a thing where you can throw your address and name in and then you can send information to your member of Congress. That's tremendous. Uh, type AM to 586, you said? Five two eight eight six. Five two eight eight six. Five two eight eight six. Text AM uh, to five two eight eight six, or click on the uh, banner ad on the station's website uh, that uh, references the AM radio issue. Nick Anderson, thank you so much for all that you're doing, and uh, keep us updated on what happens. I will do that. Thank you, Kevin, for all you do for our audience. Which you got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back okay. from Times Square. Don't go away. Gregory Floyd, host of Reaching Out, gets answers to the tough questions from people in the know. With us for the very first time, a very special guest who is a New York City treasure, a legend in the Harlem community, Reverend Robert Royal. You speak of Jimmy Hoffa. We talk about the uh, father. You knew him, didn't you? The old man was quite a figure 
particularly when it came to negotiation, contract negotiation. He didn't take no prisoners. You either were with him or you were against him. And Jimmy Hoffa was true to a fault. He never once deceived anybody. He told you right up front, I'm doing this for my people. And that's what Jimmy Hoffa was all about. A great man, a great man. And in spirit, he still lives in my mind, and I pray God that he lives in every teamster that walks this earth. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd. Saturday afternoons at 4.30 on AM 570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. Plus. Here's the number. 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. AM 570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA. Listen online at WMCA.com. Tune in iHeartAlexa or Odyssey.com. Is now a good time to buy? That seems to be the million-dollar question these days, and most experts agree. Yes, it is. Hey everyone, this is Mike. And this is Brian with Fellowship Home Loans. And for the first time in nearly three years, we have seen the market shift from a seller's market back to a buyer's market. In other words, you can get a house for less now than you could have in the past. And save even more money. Give us a call at 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283 or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Stop paying rent and let Fellowship help you start building equity today. Call 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283 or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Fellowship Home Loans. Welcome Welcome home. Come and get your loan. Fellowship Home Loans. Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 819382. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we were recorded our best year to date, and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors & Sullivan Broadcast Studio. If it's happening in New York or across the globe, learn why it matters first on Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us and always glad to be able to set the, the newspaper down and uh, talk about something very practical like how to become a better parent and uh, boy, do we have a lot <laughs> to uh, talk about on this segment week to week. But sometimes it's the unexpected stuff. And Shelly Goldberg is back with us. And Shelly, last week you said, hey, I want to talk about that next time. That's right, Kevin. Yes, you mentioned something that was very intriguing and I think will be really interesting to your listeners. It's yoga, which is increasingly popular. I hear it from just about everybody that I know and that it works for them in the most unbelievable ways. You see it more in the school curriculums, and it's even being used in the phys ed programs all across the country. Uh, I want to know how this came into your life, because when we were talking last week, you were letting me know that it 
it changed your life and it was there for you in, in the most difficult time. Yeah. So talk to me. T well, to me your, how, to how your first discover? point, to your first point that it's becoming more popular, NFL teams are even hiring yoga instructors to uh, help the team stretch and do uh, some basic yoga even before the rest of their workouts during practice. So, you know, the New York Giants has a, has a yoga instructor or two that they have on staff. So this is becoming uh, very mainstream across the board. And I will tell you, I was not always a fan when I was when I was a high school athlete and somewhat successful. I kind of made fun of the yogas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, the, what what kind of sissy stuff is that? And I I didn't, you know, and it was funny because even just this morning, Shelly, in my yoga class, my yoga instructor, who is a woman, she's in very good shape and she's she could probably kick my butt in a in a one on one boxing match. But she said, how many of you used to think that yoga was something that you laughed at? She goes, so did I. So I'm not the only one that's had that kind of uh, thought about it from time to time. But I'll say this. Um, it. When I started experiencing the ability to add breath with movement, which is the which is the foundation of what yoga is. And in times of uh, in times of yoga practice, we practice being in stressed situations. So we stress our body, we put it into hard poses to achieve. We, we, we aim for getting better in them. And we do, there are things that we do that puts us in a state of stress in the yoga practice, but we use the breath and the movement to achieve calm and peace and the ability to work through that stress. So that when you get to the other side to something called Shavasana, which is your rest stage of yoga, you are able to fully embrace uh, that rest because you've done the work to go through the hard thing. Now that translates for me into life very, very directly. I don't know about you, but I've had some hard times in life. Uh, I've had some difficult things to go through and I wished I had known how to do yoga earlier in life. But now that I, uh, that now that I have it in my life now, um, even when there's a little bit of extra pressure or whatever for the day, I, uh, I, I can, I can breathe in deeply. I can say, okay, I don't, this doesn't have to get out of control for me. I can just face this with the energy that I have. Boom. Uh, I'm able to find a, a place of calm, place of clearness with my thinking, able to make better decisions and go forward. So that's the very broad kind of strokes of where I was before and where I am now, but it, it will never be something that I don't do the rest of my life. Okay. That was so informative and enlightening, Kevin. My questions to you are: How often do you take a yoga class? Not as often as I'd like. Day? During the summer or during the the work year this last year, I was averaging about five to six hours of yoga practice a week. Um, so maybe once an hour, I'm um, one hour a day, Monday through Friday, with maybe a second hour on a Friday or a Wednesday. Um, with school out, my summer practice has dropped back to, oh man, it's really embarrassing. Maybe two to three hours a week that I'm getting in now, but I can't wait till fall so I can get back on the full schedule again. Wow. Okay. And my, my other two quick questions, how did you discover, how did you go from, from gee, that's what is that kooky thing? Yeah, no, yoga? it's very, how very did, practical. Um, we joined it. You're thinking we joined a gym to uh, give our kids access to a pool and to take swimming lessons. And as part of our gym membership, yoga classes were included at no extra cost. And my bride who'd done some in college and had done some when she was pregnant said, I want to, I want to get back into yoga. She went, she started going for about six weeks. She lost about 15 pounds. She was so happy and had so much energy and vitality. And she was so confident about how her body was changing. And I said, you know what? I want to experience what you're experiencing. I want to know what that's about. And she's like, well, that's kind of my thing. So I don't know if I want you there. <laughs> so what I did was I knew she likes to, she, she, she's not an early riser. I am. So I went to the six o'clock classes in the morning and I started learning from scratch. I went to the very simple classes, learn the poses. Eventually I, I'm coming in from the gym one day at about 7.30, 7.15, something like that. And she rolls over and she says, where have you been? And why are you leaving so early every morning? I said, well, I've been, I've been going to the gym. And she goes, what are you doing at that, at that time of the morning? I said, well, I've been taking yoga classes. She goes, you silly. Why wouldn't you just come to yoga class with me? So, so now we do, um, and we do it together and it's something that we really enjoy. Okay. So I want to say this, Kevin, everybody that I know, 
who look fantastic and they're aging magnificently and they have enormous amounts of energy and they're really getting through life in a wonderful way, they're doing yoga. Hmm. And what I want to talk about next week, because we're going to continue this, what about yoga and yoga for children? There's, yes. there's some wonderful articles uh, that I'm going to uh, give you, you know your listeners where they can go for more information, but we're going to extend this. And today we're talking about the grownups and how it calms what you call the monkey brain. Yes. And I, and I want to know more about well, that. Well, we need to do a whole episode on just the monkey mind because the monkey mind is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's that part of your brain that just jumps around out of control, climbing on all the furniture, tipping things over, breaking things, clashing things in your brain constantly. And I have the worst of the monkey mind that's ever been seen. So when you're, when you're, when you feel yourself in kind of that panicked manic state, Yoga is is especially helpful because you take a deep, slow breath, you control the exhale, and you start to calm that thing down, and you you make your way through it. But we could do an entire episode just on the monkey mind. That's what we're going to do. Well, so we're going to do a couple of episodes, monkey mind, and how translating this to yoga for kids. There's, yes, there's so much here, and it's so powerful. So, Kevin, thank you for the introduction today. This <laughs> thank you for letting me be on the Parenting Express. This is kind of a, <laughs> a fun thing. Anyway, friends, if you ever miss our conversations, you can check them all out. We've got them uh, stored for you at the Parenting Express podcast archive at Kevin McCullough Radio. Shelly Goldberg, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Kevin. I'm Kevin Cottrell here with Dan Buttafuoco, one of our good friends of the radio station. And uh, he has been an attorney. Dan, how many years now? 41 years. And you recently settled your 136th million dollar case. That's pretty amazing. Yes, thank God, Kevin. We've been really fortunate. We've got a staff of 24 people, which is committed to serving the needs of the seriously injured people due to medical malpractice, product liability, or just a simple car accident. We handle it all. We've grown. We're now in 50 states. Many of these people are pretty seriously injured and uh, really need that money to exist and have some quality of life. Call but if you go and Associates at 800-NOW-HERD and have them evaluate your case. That's 800-669-4878, 800-NOW-HERD. But if you go and Associates cares that you get the best results. They don't take the easy way or the easy money. They fight for the maximum benefit. 800-NOW-HERD, but if you go and Associates, 800-669-4878, 800-NOW-HERD. This is Carol Platt-Lebow for townhall.com. COVID's over, so the people at the New York Times need another reason to be afraid and for you to be afraid too. So last week, they ran an article telling their readers, quote, how to determine whether it's safe to leave the house, unquote. That's because of the supposed dangers posed by heat waves, flash flooding, and smoke across the country. What nonsense. If writers at the New York Times were journalists instead of activists, they'd add some context. Although heat-related deaths are rising, far more people die from cold than from heat. But the agenda is to advance the climate change narrative, even though a recent UN report found the world's temperature hasn't risen for the last 15 years. The goal is to frighten us into accepting intrusive nanny state regulations they claim, without evidence, will improve global warming. But Americans don't frighten easily. It's not news that summer is hot. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Want more AM570 The Mission? Take us on the go with our Listen Live feature at am570themission.com or download our AM570 The Mission app today. Just go to the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store and search AM570 The Mission. What you need to know when you need it. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, I'm so grateful that you join us each weekday, uh, hopefully trying to muscle up your mind, build up your brain, and help you become the kind of man or woman every man or woman should be. Uh, <clears throat> I am grateful uh, to be able to have uh, such great listeners who take such great 
interest in what's going on in the world around them. Now, you may have remembered if you were listening anytime over the last couple of years when I would have General Keen on or uh, f- former uh, Pentagon official like KT McFarlane, who's going to be rejoining us uh, come August. Um, but there's there's these people I've talked to that, that know a great deal about, you know, world affairs and particularly the um, national security components of those that we have on the show on a regular basis. And I do that because I want you to be as informed as you can be about where we are actually at when it comes to our security. But you may remember that I've asked each of them, General Keene, KT McFarlane, General Kellogg, Colonel Maddox, as we've gone through the uh, the years, I've asked them to um, give me their thoughts on if there was, in fact, an axis forming similar to the axis of World War II when you had Germany, who then embraced Italy, and Italy embraced Germany, and then they embraced Japan. And there was a desire by Hitler, for sure, to have Japan occupy the United States and keep them busy so that Germany could finish its takeover of Europe. Well, the problem was, it took us a little while, but the United States responded to the Empire of Japan, but we weren't sucked into that first. We needed to rebuild some ships. We needed to uh, build some more planes. We needed to do the things we needed to do to fight a, a war in that theater. But what we could do immediately was join the European conflict and help uh, Winston Churchill defeat Adolf Hitler in Europe and stop him completely. And And it turns out Hitler was kind of dumb because he opened up a two-war front in Europe. So he had Russia on one side and he had the allies on the other, uh, the European allies. And they were all closing in and eventually got to Berlin as they did. Uh, and he killed himself. And then... Everybody went over to Japan and took care of them. Now, the strange thing about where we live right now is that I have said for the last year that I believe that there is an axis growing between China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. And yesterday's independent from the London uh, from London pretty much proves it. Official delegations from Russia and China are scheduled to attend North Korea's 70th anniversary celebrations of armistice that halted the 1950-53 Korean War in a display of diplomatic power with the Kim Jong-un regime. Russia's delegation will be led by so-and-so arrived in uh, North Korea in Pyongyang on Tuesday evening, greeted by senior officials. Uh, The Chinese officials will be arriving, blah, blah, blah. It's happening. Russia and China and North Korea are all linking arms, talking about what a great thing their communist vision for the world is. And friends, that's bad news as far as I'm concerned. Something to pray about for sure. I'm Kevin McCullough. We'll see you next time.